You deserve to be loved. You deserve anything that you fucking want. And it can happen. It just is going to take time. And it comes with setting those boundaries around it. Hey guys, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Mia and Carly. Hi everyone, welcome back. We have a fun episode today. Yeah, we have Gigi Robinson on today. It was definitely fun to get like a very different perspective versus a lot of the guests that we've had in the past. She is prime Gen Z. What is she, 23? I think so. So it was fun to have that Gen Z perspective. It's not like that's that big of a difference between our age and hers, but it is so crazy when you think about all of the differences between how she grew up versus how we grew up. And then obviously versus how our parents' generation grew up and the generations before us. This generation is growing up and has grown up with so much of a different landscape of social media, of just like an online presence in general. Like I can't imagine having even Instagram and now TikTok and all of Snapchat and all of these things, having that be just like a part of your day-to-day life when you are in middle school, high school, college. Mm-hmm. Instagram came out, but like we weren't attached to our phones. Now our phones no. are just like at us at all times. It was just really interesting to hear what that was like for her and how she honestly like used it to her benefit to like create create this career that we didn't even know was possible when we were going to college. No, I totally agree. It is crazy. I can't imagine having social media in middle school. Like when you're so young, comparing yourself to everybody. I mean, like I feel like even when Facebook came out when I was in high school and we had like world is round and MySpace when I think I was even younger than that. What is world is round? It was just like a photo app, like a photo website where I would take pictures on my digital camera and then people would just like upload them to World is Round. And I remember feeling super like insecure about my life from just that because I would see all these like fun pictures, all these fun plants and these like people that have these such different lives than me at 13. So I can't imagine Mm -hmm. having throwing Instagram in the mix there. But yeah, Gigi, I feel like when she was in high school or college, like already knew she wanted to do content creation and learned photo editing and photography and Photoshop and like all of these skills that were around. Like I learned Photoshop in high school, but for just such a different purpose and like so many doors are opened up and she really has taken advantage of the landscape that she has been living in. Yeah. She like went to college for it. Crazy. But before we get into it, we always like to talk about new things that we're trying and what's been going on with us. We had such a fun dinner last night at Emily in the West Village. We had not been there in so long. Pre-COVID, we used to go to Emily like once a month at least. (laughs) Yeah, we would at least be out to dinner once a week, I think. Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about this new product that I tried because I went to the well yesterday, which I've talked about the well in New York City, yesterday reaffirmed the fact that I'm obsessed with it there. If I was currently living in the city, I would be there every day. I would definitely have a membership. So just a quick shout out to the well. Definitely check them out. They have so many services from acupuncture to facials to just like a quick sauna session, which is what I did yesterday. So I booked a 30 minute session in their infrared sauna. It was amazing. The only thing was is that I couldn't figure out. I know she told me how, but I couldn't figure out how to change the color of the lights and all the different colors of like different benefits. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of sad that I was just stuck on one basic benefit the whole time. <laughs> what color were you on? I was on the red. So it was like the classic. Oh. But when I was living in Chicago, I used to go to the sauna like a few times a week because I had a membership at this place there. And so I really missed it. And it was amazing to be there. But when you get out of the sauna, they have this cute little fridge and it's stocked with water and then these cute juices. So I tried the brand is I think it's pronounced Vasque, but it's V-A-E-S-K-E. And I'll link it in the show notes too. This one is just all their drinks are just very simple ingredients. And this one just has watermelon, pink coconut water, tart cherry and organic lemon juice. And it was so good. It's supposed to be really good for recovery. Like it says to have it pre during or post something like a sauna or workout or whatever it is. But it says watermelon and tart cherry has clinically been shown to aid in muscle recovery. While pink coconut water contains natural electrolytes for hyperhydration. And then it says, so you can handle your active lifestyle. It was delicious. So good. I love a pink coconut water and I love watermelon. I love tart cherry. So it checked all the boxes. I'm definitely going to look up this company and try to order some more online because I had never heard of it before. Yum. 
That sounds amazing. I, you know, I love like trying new drinks and beverages. That sounds lovely for the summer. And I haven't been to the well. Well, I went to lunch there at the well with my sister and it was delicious and so cute. And I was eyeing all the different, like the little relaxation rooms and the rooms they hold classes. So I'm really curious. I would love to go back. I realized I never talked about something that I did on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So my friend and I signed up to go to a live Melissa Wood Health event. So I've been doing, I discovered Melissa Wood Health over during COVID. I, I feel like I used to never, I would never work out nearly as much as I do now. I would work out twice a week, three times a week. I was doing like really heavy cardio classes. I would go to either Mile High Run Club was right by me, or I would go on runs, or I would go to a like a cycle class. I would go to bar three, which is the most low impact I did. But when COVID started, I just had so much time. I wanted to move my body every day. You know, I discovered Salt Drop and love it and all of the many online workouts. But Melissa Wood Health, I found really fit nicely into my schedule to keep me moving and just feel good every day. Classes I do range from like 20 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes to 25. Like if I'm going to do a 30 minute workout or more, I do salt drop. If I just want, this is a day I probably wouldn't be moving my body much. I want something that is effective, efficient, but like light, whether it's like stretching. I found Melissa and I really like it. So I have been using the app for two years. Melissa had her first live event, her first live class since pre-COVID. So it was pretty crazy. It was a fun event. So it was at the one hotel in Dumbo. And she was doing a live meditation and workout. And then there were so many fun perks and other partners there. So Sakara had these amazing like smoothies and breakfast treats all set up. And Fortuna Skin was there, which is an amazing skin brand. I've tested them out. I think they came like free with Sakara once before. So we got samples of those products. They were also there with... You could make wild bouquets of all of the like florals and a lot of the like active ingredients in the skincare. It's on this like farm that they have. It was all like, it was very cute. It was a very like curated event and they were doing some facials. And then we left with a goodie bag that had Saqqara products in there. I got a cute Saqqara water bottle, which is great because I broke my last one and all these samples. And it was just so fun. I went with my friend and it was just like, I was there for hours because we could like mix and mingle and try all these things and meet Melissa. So it was fun. There were lots of people there, but it was just like a fun event to do. So keep your eye out for any type of live workouts that are happening now that it seems like everything's kind of back up and running and these instructors can meet you in person and you can go meet friends. I was talking to all these people on like lines and like when we were trying new products. So it was just, it's a great opportunity if you're in a new city or like emerging from COVID and just want to find some friends that are more aligned with things you're interested in. So highly recommend checking out anything your local studios or instructors are doing soon. It looked like so much fun. I hope she does another one because I really need to go. All the different things that were going on there, like the bouquet thing and was the car like making smoothies there? They just like had stuff no, set up. They had a whole thing set up. So yeah, it looked like so much fun. And I love a good swag bag at those events too. Oh yeah, it was a good one. Oh, and then I can't believe I forgot the best part. I am obsessed with the one hotel and hotel smells are my favorite. Like, it's the best scent in the world. So I treated myself to my own goodie bag treat, which was buying the official candle of the one hotel, which literally is almost it's giant and it's almost burned through because Dan and I excessively burn candles. I saw that you posted about the candle and I would laugh to myself because I was like, that's the most Mia thing. Like, I don't know if you've done that when we've been together, but you've definitely always commented on the hotel smell. Like, I feel like you just love a good hotel smell. And so it was Mm -hmm. so classic that you got the candle. I was laughing to myself. Mm -hmm. But also in this episode, you say something about how much you love candles and how your day like isn't complete if you don't burn a candle. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. A candle changes the mood. It came full circle. You probably completely forgot you said that and you just really sold it through because you obviously (laughs) you're just a big candle lover. (laughs) Seriously, candles are like a cliche gift for someone. But I like when it, it was just my birthday. And we have so much going on this year. I didn't expect like a big gift from Dan. I said, I just want a lot of candles. Yeah. And he got you that. Didn't he get you a really good candle? 
Yeah, the like, like the Le Labo candle. Okay, we're going to pick cards from Actually Curious again. So these are our questions. If you could spend the rest of your life learning about one topic, what would it be? What was your favorite game as a kid? And mm. I spend this one's kind of relevant. I spend blank hours a day on social media. Ugh. <laughs> I'm trying to do much less than that. Me too. Definitely. If you could spend the rest of your life learning about one thing, I feel like that's a fun one. Yeah, that's a good one. What immediately came to mind was like spirituality, but like more of a, like an otherworldly situation. Like I love learning about life outside of earth. <laughs> Like what else is like aliens? Like what else is out there? Aliens, spiritual psychics. Like I could talk forever, just learning about because I guess like no one really knows for sure. So those are yeah things I love to read more about. We need to have more people like that on the podcast. Yeah, like Akashic Records, psychics. Like I just want to hear about everything. Yeah, I was going to say I just would want to spend the rest of my life learning about like everything we talk about on the podcast. Like I feel like if we could just put all of our time and energy into it and have like two episodes a week, live events where we're interviewing experts. Like I want to learn about all the things we're talking about, like dating and relationships and like the science Mm -hmm. behind it and like everything we talked to Logan Yuri about. Like when we when we both read Logan Yuri's book, we both read it in a day and Mm -hmm. we were so just impressed by the amount of research that she did that I'm like, if I just spend all my days and the rest of my time, like researching, like why people are the way they are in their friendships, Mm -hmm. their familial relationships, their romantic relationships with their relationship with themselves, all that stuff. I want to spend like the rest of my life learning about it. That is true. Like that is probably my more real answer because I love anything about human behavior. Like that's honestly why I like went into like insights and analytics because I like love figuring out like why people do the things they do. And through the lens of a relationship is so interesting. And there's so much to learn about that. Like birth order affects your Mm -hmm. like upbringing and your personality attachment styles. I could go on about learning that forever. And everything that like Dr. Gary talked about, like the science of breakups and the science of just like dating. And there's so many things I feel like, I mean, we're doing it. I feel like it's good that it's both of our answers because like we're, we're learning all about it from everyone that we bring on the podcast. But yeah, I love that. And that's such a fun question because it makes you think about how you're prioritizing your time and like, are you actually spending your time doing things that you really want to learn about? Yeah, I've been thinking lately about how I really just want to like find pick up more nonfiction books that dive deeper into these topics just so like when we answer questions and we're asking guests like I have I'm very well rounded and I have mm-hmm. learned I've always been like reading about the topic. I do wish that they could all be written by Logan Yuri though. Her writing style is just so like uh, <laughs> yes. relatable and conversational. Some of the it's hard to find and Dr. Gary too, like his book. I feel like it's sometimes hard to find some of the materials on all these things are really outdated. And that's why we try to have people on the podcast that are going to make it relatable and digestible and everything like that. So also send us your book and guest recommendations because we're always in the market for those too. Yes. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy our episode with Gigi. Let us know what you think. And we'll be back with so many more guests in the next few weeks. Yes. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. We are so excited for our guest today. We are joined by Gen Z thought starter and mental health advocate. She focuses on lifestyle, mental health, body image, and chronic illness. Welcome to Mostly Balanced, Gigi Robinson. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I second what Mia said. We're so excited to talk about all of these things. But before we get into it, can you tell everybody a little bit more about you? So we always like to start with where you're from, where you live, and then just a little snapshot of what you do. Yeah, again, thanks for having me. I am a born and raised New Yorker. I have always loved New York and also hated it at the same time. But I also live here now thanks to the pandemic. I went to college at the University of Southern California. I'm actually almost done. I'm two semesters away from being done with my master's of science. So I'll graduate in December. 
And I'm really, really excited because that's just going to be super dope to be done with school. And for those that don't know, aside from getting my master's degree, I am a public speaker. I model, I'm an influencer, and I talk all about my journey with chronic health and mental health and spread as much positivity and insight and tools on how to manage our relationship with social media, especially when we do live with these chronic health conditions. So that's a little bit about me. And my research at USC is predominantly around influencers, a creator economy, and how to make really ethical decisions as a micro or honestly influencer at any level. That is amazing. Congratulations on school. Congratulations on everything you have already accomplished. Thank you. I would love to hear how, how did this start? How did you, like you said the words influencer and public speaker, how did those things come about? What was the journey to get to where you are now alongside school? Yeah, it's been really interesting because I've been learning as I've been doing. And I think that the best way to become good at something is by doing and by learning how to do a lot. And so all throughout my entire high school experience, I would get obsessed over learning how to master a certain kind of photography technique. And a lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm actually a photographer by trade. So literally at all times, I've got my camera right next to me. I'm shooting all the time. I'm doing videos all the time. I'm creating content all the time. And after years and years of doing that, I went to USC and I was in LA, which is the Mecca for influencers and the whole industry is really out there. And I took a leap and was just like, okay, let me go in a video. Let me act like I did it in high school. I did musical theater anyway. What's the difference in that versus being on camera? So I took the leap. I did that. And as I became more comfortable with that, I realized I was really good at it, not only at doing it, but also curating these really pretty images. Because again, I had this like seasoned background of being a photographer. And since I was out in LA, again, all I did was do, do, do. Aside from doing these positions uh, where I was contracted to make content for brands for TikTok, for Abercrombie, for Tinder, Smashbox, Timberland, the list goes on, honestly. It was like a lot in undergrad. I also was doing professional internships in the entertainment industry. So I was doing photography, I was doing copywriting, I was doing digital marketing, I was doing coordinator positions, I was being a TikTok strategist. So after doing all of that, I was like, you know what, I have enough background to do this full time. And then I started getting contracted just based on that experience to talk about my experience as a young professional, also making my way in the content creation industry. and. A part of that was also sharing my journey online. And as I started to do that, more people wanted to hear about that as well, both in panels and just in content, which helped me grow. So that brings me to where I am today, where again, I have learned by doing and I'm starting up to go to media training and acting classes now so that I can just get a little bit more seasoned at what I'm already good at. That's such a good point. I'm definitely a learn as I do kind of person too. Like I could sit in a class or training and things like that. And like I absorb that knowledge, but I don't actually like feel it until I'm doing it and going through the motions. And especially for the types of things that you're doing, like content creation and all of the work as an influencer, these are fairly new career paths that you kind of do have to forge yourself. So I have two different questions. First of all, how old are you? I'm 23. Uh, My birthday's in less than a month. Happy early birthday. Thank you. (laughs) So because I'm like, wow, that's so cool that this is actually something that you can study. Like I didn't really realize that. So in high school or even before, like you said that you've always been passionate about photography and that was always a thing for you. But did you also kind of already start thinking about being an influencer as a career path? Was that something that was in your mind or did it sort of just come to be? Yeah, funny enough, I got asked this question yesterday as well when I was giving a talk to one of my current teachers classes for another school that he teaches at at Syracuse University to talk about communications and digital content management. And honestly, at first, I think at a young age, I was able and by young age, I mean, I grew up with Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, uh, Ask FM, Twitter, like all of those existed as I grew up. Like we're kind of the first generation that grew up with it simultaneously as it's developed. So I really only wanted to use these platforms to showcase my photography and become one of the best photographers and have a portfolio online. And I guess at the time I didn't fully realize it, but I knew that if I put myself out there or my work out there at the very least, even if my face wasn't in it, that some people would see it and hopefully hire me. 
I could land higher deals. They could see, oh, wow, she's at work all around the globe in this gallery, in that gallery, you know, won this award and just really using it as leverage and marketing collateral to back up my price points, which is unfortunately something that we have to do as women, because a lot of the time it can't just, you can't, it doesn't, it doesn't end with, oh yeah, I would love to pay you that. It's like, tell us why you're like super overqualified. And I really dealt with that, like from this young age. So did I intuitively know that I wanted to be an influencer? No, but maybe deep down, like it was just something that I did that was a step in the right direction. And it's just kind of ebbed and flowed. And I also wasn't fully sure even when I joined USC Reach, which was the social media club that kind of accelerated my career growth at USC. I would say that my whole intention there was to grow my account as a photographer so that I would be like the go-to person in LA to like shoot ad campaigns of people or on like have movie posters shot by me. And I guess just because of the background, because of doing like my idea of what I thought I wanted was different than what actually happened. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. Yes. Um, No, I'm so happy, Carly, you asked that because I had the same exact question, like a generation that has grown up with technology and has grown up or with social media and all of these emerging social media platforms and seeing how people can find success on each one. You were really you set yourself up for being that like early adopter of all of these platforms and getting those skills to really succeed on them and kind of know that inner workings of this is how you can be successful. This is how brands want to work with this. And that kind of leads me to something else I really wanted to talk to you about because you focus on mental health. You focus on using your platforms to spread positivity or open up conversation and normalize a lot of conversations. I feel like we've always talked about, even recently, talking to a millennial therapist, how like the prevalence of social media at a young age can make things complicated. They can make things challenging. You can compare we kind of look back and we're like, oh my God, I'm so happy I didn't have social media in high school. I can't imagine what that would be like a whole new issue to worry about as a teenager. But on the flip side, I feel like Gen Z has so many resources available and so much more positive conversation around mental health. Do you feel that way? Like, what is your opinion of growing up with social media in that way? Maybe we were scared of it because like we grew up with much more of like comparison and diet culture. Like, I'm just trying to think of like maybe how Gen Z, it was a really positive thing because you were open to so much more conversation and inclusivity. Yeah. Amazing question. I would say it could go either way. Everyone in Gen Z really has a different experience. And unfortunately, cancel culture and cyberbullying, which, you know, cancel culture is just a new word for cyberbullying. And, you know, trolls are the same as cyberbullies. And I think that was very well known and marketed and talked about with millennial generations when you get when that first started happening for you, because we were babies when that happened. But now the jargon has shifted. Same thing with like influencer, content creator, YouTube star, TikTok star, like it's just all kind of interchangeable jargon that just evolves over time. And I think it's something that teachers were starting to comprehend how the technology was affecting us. So they were able to have assemblies about cyberbullying and don't do that. Obviously, you can say don't do cyberbullying to kids. That doesn't mean that they're going to really understand what that means, or they're going to not be a victim of it, or they're going to be a victim of it, right? Like, it's unclear what exactly can kind of happen in one's mindset to really make that shift to distinguishing like, am I being cyberbullied? Where do I go for help? What kinds of resources exist for me? And I actually have been in therapy since I was in second grade. So I luckily am like privileged to be able to say that. And it's been something that I think has been a toolkit that I've been able to use when there were moments where people were not being nice to me. Like I was for sure mean girl bullied like all throughout middle school and high school. And it like sucks for that to happen. I feel like a lot of people have those experiences nowadays. And were the right resources there? I don't know. I had a therapist. That's what I'll say on that. I can't speak for other people at large. However, now I know there's so many resources. And since these kids are on their phones, I think that's now our responsibility is like elder Gen Zers, millennials, elder millennials, anyone that studies social media and psychology really 
has to be the role model for the kids that are going to be consuming it. And how can you make a fun book about it? How can you make a digestible podcast episode about it? How can we have assemblies that are interesting? So it's really interesting and exciting, I think, to be in a time where we can relate to these kids and also say like, hi, this has happened to me as well. The medium has changed. The technology that we're getting cyberbullied through has changed, aka MySpace to AskFM to TikTok to YouTube, blah, blah, blah. And the, the resources that we have are much better. Like one of my favorites, the Jed Foundation. And they go in and they help with preventative assemblies to help kids become more aware about cyberbullying and suicide prevention and really normalizing talking about your feelings. And I think back to the generational shift, Gen Z is much more open to talking about things. But a lot of times they can be very polarizing. So it can be like you're talking about something and you're fine one day and then the next day your whole world falls apart. Like you just never really know. I mean, that can happen to anybody. But I think especially with Gen Z, we're so like up and down and up and down like the stock market. Was there something specific that made you start going to therapy in second grade? Yeah, Mean Girls, like literally and not like the movie, like girls were being really, really mean. And I didn't understand why my parents didn't understand why. It just like, it didn't make any sense. And it was like, is something wrong with me? Like, obviously that wasn't the case, but it was just like, why are these people so mean? And I will say like, I grew up going to schools on the Upper East Side. There's a lot of bratty, privileged kids there. And comparatively speaking, I mean, my family was like more like middle-class growing up, but a lot of these kids that I was in school with had super fancy apartments, like that you just take an elevator up and the entire floor is theirs. I mean, like... I'm picturing Gossip Girl. Like, yeah, like maybe not as crazy as those houses, but like, but yeah, like it really was like that. And I mean, there were times where I had begged and begged, like for my birthday, I remember one year I begged to get a phone upgrade from like a flip phone with a touchscreen, which was like super sick at the time to a BlackBerry. And it was like a big deal. And I asked, and the second that I got the BlackBerry was when the third generation of the iPhones came out and (laughs) kids started getting them. And like, I remember people like leaving me out of the chats and stuff like that because they no longer had BBM. Instead, it was all iMessage or AOL instant messaging, right? And iChat. And I think that was really challenging. And then, you know, even things down to like the freaking backpack brand that you had. I mean, some of these girls would have like, I don't even know what's normal or not, but these girls would have like coach or like not Louis Vuitton, but like Tory Burch bags. And it's like, you were in eighth grade, honey. Like we do not need this. <laughs> you shouldn't be judging people over what they have. It's so materialistic. And that for sure fucked me up in a lot of ways. I think also that was a time where Gossip Girl was coming out and 90210 was out and people were mimicking what they were seeing online. And like, I was, I've never been a TV person like ever really. So I, I have watched all of Gossip Girl more than once. I will say that. <laughs> But I think therapy helped me get through a lot of that. And honestly, I experienced that all over again when I went to USC and when I joined Greek life. I mean, it was out of control there. Like as in like a a teenager or like early adult, that was honestly more psychologically challenging to deal with because that's how you knew like people actually meant what they said when they were like some girls would be like, oh, what brand's your bag? It's like, what? Like, why yeah, like at that age, they like know that. what they're saying. Like maybe exactly. in middle school, they don't understand what they're saying. But at that age. Right. Right. It's like, what? And so did you stay in therapy during those college years? I tried, but it was definitely challenging because just because of access, like as a college student and like getting there. It can just be really hard, but I was able to eventually get into therapy and also to be able to have conversations with a therapist, specifically an occupational therapist that helped me with something called lifestyle redesign. And that's something that also helped my chronic illness quite a lot. Mm. That is so interesting. I'm so happy that your parents had the, they were open enough to talk about therapy and have that as a resource for you. Cause even just like yeah. talking about it, yeah, they, like social media or technology, like the iMessage or getting left out of the BBM, like those are all very real things that maybe some parents who would like didn't quite understand would be like, eh, like whatever. But I agree, right. the medium changed. But I think like Carly and I have probably dealt with like mean girls and like catty things like that. And that's I'm always sure. going to exist. Yeah, absolutely. But 
you mentioned your chronic illness and that is a huge pillar of what you talk about now. Are you willing to share a little bit more about that and how that might have played into your relationship with therapy and your relationship with using your platform? Yeah, they're definitely both intertwined for sure. But something I've come to a realization like recently about is that all throughout when I got diagnosed at age like 10 or 11, like I didn't comprehend really what my condition was. I didn't understand it. I, it was just like I was in pain all the time. It didn't make sense. And then even until like, honestly, the past year or two, I mean, I have not realized that like my health and my pain was not a normal thing that everybody experienced. Like I thought that that was just something how everybody just was like, Oh, yeah, I have back pain. Oh, yeah, I don't feel well. Oh, yeah, my stomach is giving me problems. Like I just didn't, I didn't think that, that like I was unique in that. And I think that's because I was also in the doctor's office seeing other people with it. Like I was never alone in a doctor's office, which, you know, was interesting. But I was also a kid and my parents had autonomy over what I put in and out of my body and what I got or what I didn't get in terms of medication. So I don't hold anything against them because they didn't know any better. But I think therapy was something that helped me kind of work through at least any challenge that I may have kind of gone through on like a preliminal level where... I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand it. And I found a way to kind of like cope. And that was by just venting and talking about it. Not necessarily about my pain, but distracting myself with whatever drama it was or just making the focus away from the pain and away from my chronic illness. But now, I mean, my psychologist is very, very specific. She has like a PhD in pain psychology. So she like, it's not just like a regular therapist. She's a therapist that specializes in understanding comprehensively why certain patients have pain, what causes it, what environmental factors kind of contribute to it. She helps me think of myself as a flower, right? Or a vegetable garden where like there's certain kinds of things that I need to do and to not do to water, to make the soil correct, blah, blah, blah. And that has been really transformational in helping me understand and evaluate what my limits are. That's not to say I don't push myself because I really do. But in regards to my chronic illness, it's just been very helpful to have somebody validate at the very least my feelings. And if I do have pain, help me understand how to verbalize my limits, my boundaries, talking to my friends about it. I mean, I also don't drink alcohol. I've kind of been like almost a year and a half sober completely. So that's pretty cool. And uh, that's also for chronic health and medical reasons. So I am okay talking about that and making it clear like, okay, yeah, like this is my choice. This is how I feel. It's about my health. And like, if you think that me drinking seltzer instead of a tequila soda is weird, then you're weird. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's not my problem. It's so true. And I feel like everything that you're saying, so many people can relate to it, whether they have a chronic illness, whether they're sober, whether they're just like living their life the way that they want to, and they feel like they have to explain themselves. Like it's just all about setting those boundaries. And that's something that you do have to learn. And that having the support of a therapist, a psychologist, especially like you were saying, somebody who's specialized in that, that's such a key thing in order to give you that grounding and foundation to feel like you can stand up for yourself in those ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, also, I didn't mention but my mom is a psych nurse. So she definitely is probably the reason why I'm there. Because she was like, I know you need this. (laughs) Yeah, it's so awesome that you were able to have her support and then be able to figure out your own way from there. Yeah. Some of these things like not drinking, how does that come into play in your dating life? A lot of people ask this when they're thinking about stopping drinking or taking a little break. I honestly don't really think about other people's opinions of what I'm doing. Like if somebody is not okay with me not drinking or consuming alcohol, then I think that's weird. And I don't want to be around somebody who would pressure me or make me feel not my best and would encourage me to put alcohol in my body when I know it makes me sick and wouldn't (laughs) would make everyone suffer. And like, I haven't had a drink in a long time. And that's just a decision that I've made for myself. And again, like if somebody questions it, I put I ask them the question back, but I put it onto them. I say, well, why do you think that, you know, why do you, I think it's weird that you're drinking a tequila soda. Like, I don't know. Like, that's not my, or like, why do you think it's weird that I'm drinking soda? Huh? (laughs) 
No, I've had those conversations before. Like a thousand percent. I've had that conversation. I more so just meant like, if you meet someone new and they ask you out for drinks from the start, do you say like, I have a chronic illness. I don't drink because of that. Or do you just kind of say like, I don't drink, leave it at that. What's your advice for people who are navigating those conversations? It's so situational. I would also say like, I'm definitely more of a like traditional kind of dater, I would say. So instead of drinks, I would be like, oh, I would prefer that you take me out to a dinner. I think we could connect better over a whole meal. I want to go out on a full date and have a full dinner and see if I'm able to connect with somebody. And if they're not willing to pay for a meal with me, like an hour, hour and a half, two hours, like long of a meal, then honestly, I don't want them. So maybe I have my standards high, but also I don't really care. Like the right person's going to do all of check all the boxes and not care if I don't want to split a bottle of red over dinner. You are a boundary queen and confidence queen. I feel like if I had at least like one eighth of the self-control and boundaries you have as a 23 year old, I don't know (laughs) where I would be right now. And like that, like the dating situation, like that comes into play with friendships. Like those are the years I feel like a lot of you're, you're very moldable or impressionable by friends, by the people you're dating. You feeling bad if you don't get the attention from guys or guys mm. not interested in you comparing yourself to friends. And I felt in just my personal experience, but had no sense, sense of self as a 23 year old. So what are your tips for someone who might <laughs> not be in the same mindset as you to set boundaries and feel confident in their early 20s of maybe having mm. un, like maybe they aren't as stable in a career or maybe they are having trouble with boundaries with friends or maybe they do have a challenging relationship with drinking but can't get themselves to create those boundaries and stick to them and like speak so confidently as you can. Yeah. Um well, the first thing I would say is everyone's journey is very individual and you have to whatever advice I say is kind of like a buffet. Like there might be something you love, there might be something you don't like and you just have to move on, but also like the way that like let's say you're going to a restaurant and there's a secret sauce that they put on the menu and then there's a dupe when you make it at home, it's not going to be as good. So like you have to figure out what your secret sauce is and like apply it to your life when it comes to boundaries. But also I would say I've had like very unlucky, at least with like dating, um, I've had very unlucky like experiences. And I think a lot of those have taught me now looking back, I'm like, dear Lord, Gigi, like you cannot put those rose colored goggles on ever again. Like that is not happening in this house. Like it would actually like the whole world would have to just turn rose, um, not without the goggles for things to go well. But, um, you know, I like haven't been in a relationship ever. Um, I have never done that. But I, of the dates that I've gone on, I've like looked back and been like, Gigi, no. Like also, <laughs> I'm such a different person now than I was when I left Los Angeles. I feel like when I left LA, I like left this kind of lackadaisical, oh, let it happen. Let's go for a walk on the beach. That's fine. Like, no, like. We're in New York City. It's the middle of winter. You don't get off by taking me out to a bar. You have to take me to a full ass meal. You have to plan it. Um, You have to have a plan for after if we're going to like a jazz bar or something, you know, so on and so forth. But in terms of like setting those boundaries, I think it's just what you said. It's a mindset shift. So I don't know if this resonates with anybody. And I promise I'm not a part of the cult. But like the Tony Robbins stuff is really interesting to listen to. Um, I went to my first UPW conference, which is like their kind of entry level uh, like conference that you can go to in 2017, right before I went to USC. And I think a lot of what that is, is shifting your mindset around a lot. It's setting boundaries. It's understanding your worth and sticking to it. And then now that I've gone through that, like years ago, at this point, I'm able to kind of come out the other side and be like, okay, yeah, like this is actually something I have applied. I also listen to a bunch of other speakers like Mel Robbins, Ed Milet, and Gabby Bernstein. And those are people I really look up to and admire when it comes to mindset and knowing that like, you can have trauma exist. And then you can also be able to overcome that and do so much else. And they don't have to be one in the same, just because you've gone through something doesn't mean that it's inspiring that you've come out the other side, same way with like my chronic illness, just because I've had a chronic illness my whole life and accomplished what I've accomplished 
like if you say it like that, it does not make sense as to (laughs) why would you like ever equate anything that I've done to my chronic illness, right? They don't live on the same plane um, necessarily, but they can coexist in the same world. So I, I try to think of our problems like that. And with that, you think of boundaries like that and that they're going to be different for different things. And it's okay to deal with things and also be confident in what you want because you deserve it, especially if you're a woman or somebody that is marginalized or a part of a marginalized community. You deserve like to be paid. You deserve to be loved. You deserve like anything that you fucking want. And it can happen. It just is going to take time. And it comes with setting those boundaries around it. Yeah, that's the energy that everyone needs to have in the generations that are growing up now. It's so refreshing to see somebody who's 23 and really have that mindset. And I want to shift completely because I need to hear about your Sports Illustrated partnership. Can you tell us how that came to be and tell us more about it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for bringing it up because it's like one of my favorite things to talk about because it was such a dream. But when I first got diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome in 20... when I, I don't know how old I was. I was 10 years old, so 2008 around then. And I had to give up competitive swimming. So that was really sad for me because I w- literally wanted to be an Olympic swimmer for like the longest time. And I had to give it up because my joints were hypermobile. The doctors were like, no, like you're going to get sick, blah, blah, blah. I was like, great. This is awesome. And um, I took up photography again, back to what I said initially, I started honing in on my craft. I started learning as much as I could looking up to celebrity photographers like you, Sai, who just happens to be kind of the photographer in residence for Sports Illustrated. Flash forward to high school, I started doing, you know, posing studies, body image uh, kind of advocacy. That was my first touch on realizing like, why am I retouching a body? Like, this is so stupid. Like people are not going to believe that that's actually what somebody looks like. So I started making projects called, I feel like a supermodel, which was where I highlighted people talking about their insecurities, like being plus size, being plus size and short, being a short model, having just slightly off fittings in the modeling industry, having body hair, having eating disorders and talking about all of it as a part of modeling. And then I went out to LA and was like, dear God, I am again in the mecca of the influencer industry. And every single person face tunes their face and their body and the environment even I mean, they take out things I started not even like editing things out. I mean, behind me, you can see I have my freaking towel here. Like, yes, obviously, we all shower, like maybe it's unprofessional, but we all shower. Anyway, I'm giving you so much backstory. But there was a Sports Illustrated swim search, uh, like kind of call for entries. And I decided that I wanted to enter back in September. And I was talking to a friend and talking about the future. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be in Sports Illustrated. They're like, what? And I was like, no, 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 like it's happening. Like, it's not even like a question. And maybe, haha, like, maybe you'll see me on the cover one day. And this was before the calling, the casting call was even out. Flash forward to December when Art Basel happened down in Miami. I found some time to go to the beach and shoot. Like I knew it was this one day I was like, I said to my friend who we were co-working together at a cafe. I was like, okay, I got to go now. I have to shoot my stuff for Sports Illustrated. Like it's just happening. So I went and I shot all the footage for my video. And then I came back to New York and was going to edit and shoot some more. And then Omicron happened and that whole wave shut down New York for a while. And then I went back to Florida in January, the casting call opened, I had just gotten a new video editor. And I was like, Hey, girl, this is your first project. You know, we're making this video. And, and then I submit the video on February 14th. And I write a post and I tag MJ on LinkedIn. And I was like, Hey, you know, here's my message. Here's my video. Like, I would be honored to be a part of it. She reshares it to her network. My jaw hits the floor. I'm like, shut the fuck up. The editor in chief knows who I am. So then uh, I get a casting call the day later. I have a meeting with them two days after that. And then silence. I'm like, shit, (laughs) what What the hell happened? Like, what's going on? And to no surprise, I'm down in Miami again. And I get a phone call. And you might be wondering, like, why do you keep talking about being in Florida when all this happens? I feel like being on the beach and being near the sand and the water and the ocean, at least astrologically and symbolically, is a sign of being grounded. It's a sign of also things coming to you kind of like the way also I was getting like tarot cards with like being in Florida and having something coming towards you like on shore, like a ship onto shore. And like, I think that that was all 
leading to this opportunity. And at the time I was like thinking, oh, maybe it's about this guy that I like in Miami. But then I realized it wasn't about that at all. It was about like an opportunity that was coming to me um, that was unknown. So that ended up being how I got it. I went down there to the DR with them. And before I spent a lot of money, let's just keep it at that on like lymphatic drainage massages, lymphatic drainage facials, regular facial spray tan, getting my nails done, getting waxed. I mean, definitely well over a thousand dollars on all of this because like I felt like the need to like be perfect and look perfect. And I was like, Gigi, why did like looking back? I'm like, why did you go all out like that? I mean, like it's amazing and like treat yourself, which like I was like, sure. Yeah. But I was also like, what if I don't look skinny in the photos? And I was like, no amount of massage is going to take off pounds off your waist. Like, what are you talking about? And even so you're gorgeous as you are. So just like go. So I end up going, I do the shoot. It was super, super amazing, except it fucking rained. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Out of all of the girls on the shoot, my shoot's the one that gets rained. Symbolically, what does rain mean? It means like a rebirth, a new beginning. Good luck. And when that rain happened, I actually got to spend time with MJ and have this one-on-one conversation with her that for like over an hour that most of the other people did not have, which was so incredible and special. I was like, okay, wow. Like this was not about ruining my photo shoot. This was about seeing how resilient I could be when there was something that could have ruined everyone's attitude. But instead, I was like, you know what? Let's be positive about it. You know what? My images are going to stand out because I was the only one that had a purple sky instead of, you know, a bright blue sky. I was the only one that had murky, sandy water in like that was kind of like stirred up instead of calming blue water. So I think it all worked out. Um, since, I mean, you can read my interview on SI about it, but it was just such a full circle moment also to shoot with you, Sai, to be the person that reminds people that even if you have a chronic illness and you're not talking about it, or you have an invisible condition that you can be super sexy with it. Um, and that it doesn't always have to be seen. And also like a reminder that we belong in the industry and the conversations are meant to be had. So that plays into everything that I talk about today and just all of my work. And it's just honestly crazy that that happened. I love that story because it summed up literally everything you stand for and talk about. As you were saying, like, I'm going to like, I'm going to have this partnership with Sports Illustrated. I wanted to jump in and ask, do you think you manifested it? But you, you totally did. And I love like just finding meaning like people could get so down. Like if it wasn't you, I'm sure someone would have been like crying and disappointed and jealous and upset when all of these things happened. Well, MJ was. The editor-in-chief <laughs> was like, damn it, I can't believe it rained. Like we're supposed to have our perfect shoot and a relaxing night. You're like this means rebirth, MJ. <laughs> no, I was like, no, it's going to be fine. Like now we get to hang out. And she was like, you're right. <laughs> She's yeah. like, I love that you're so positive. But yeah, I mean, did I manifest it? Yes. Is it also like hard work? A testament to my hard work yeah. and my mission? Also, yes. And I'm really proud of it. And I know that it's not just something that I kind of sat down and was like, this is going to happen. It was like, this is going to happen. And here's the intention of why I want it, of who I'm helping, of how this will make a difference, and also like what will leave a lasting impact. And I think the photos come out like either next week or the following week or so. So I'm kind of freaking out and like so excited. And I don't even know where to find a magazine. So I'm like hiring my close friend to follow me around the city until we find one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for you. And that is so awesome. And I love what you just said. I want to like repeat it because I feel like it's so important to focus on the intentionality behind things that you're manifesting. Like, yeah, yeah, you want this beautiful house. You want this dream career. You want this amazing part or whatever it is, but like, how is getting that going to help you help other people? Or how is that going to impact the larger community? Of course, we can want things for ourselves. But just knowing your intention, I think is so powerful when it comes to manifesting. It is. And like, what even does it mean to set an intention? And and why I think what that whole concept really is, because some people are like, I don't know what that means. It's like, really, a self belief in your mindset. It's being open to whatever comes your way. So I don't even know how to sum it up into words, but like I had a conversation with one of my teachers and was like, did I think I was ever going to see my student on the cover or like in the Sports Illustrated magazine? No, but like, does it work? And is it representative of your work? 
Yes. And is it really cool and empowering? And can it also be like used to inspire others? Yes. So, you know, what? I think it was worth it. Right. Um, it, it was about like, do I believe I'm worthy of this? And if so, how is this again going to help me in my career? How is it going to move me forward? How is it going to be something that like I can proudly and confidently talk about without hesitation? And I think that's really what it means to set an intention. Totally. You summed it up perfectly. I feel like your entire story sums up setting boundaries, being confident in yourself, making every move intentional, while also maintaining like confidence in yourself. I love how I loved how you brought touched on that too, like body image. And you instead of feeling down on yourself, you said, I'm beautiful and I'm confident and I deserve to be here. I think that everything we talked about today is something every one of our listeners and us can relate to. And I feel like you just did such an eloquent job of summing that up and leaving us feeling like super confident Yay. and more sure of ourselves. Yay. And if anybody needs confidence tips, go over to my socials. Go find me. <laughs> yes. Before we do our rapid fire, tell everybody where they can find you. Yes. My social handles are just simply at it's Gigi Robinson everywhere or my website, ggrobinson.com, or you can Google me and that's that. (laughs) Yes, we will link all of that. And this has been so much fun. So let's just close with a couple quick rapid fire questions. Yay. So what is the best trip that you've ever been on? Um, The best trip that I've ever been on? I would say my Art Basel trip was like really, really fun in Miami. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. What is your favorite method of self-care? I'm a sucker for massages and facials. I am too. Those are great answers. And what are three things that you cannot make it through the day without, aside from like your phone and computer and things like that? Coffee, um, my medicine, and my dog. And you have a dog? I do. She's sleeping behind me in that blanket. (laughs) So cute. And also I love, again, not an ad, but I love Capri Blue Volcano Candles. So fire. Mm -hmm. If you haven't had it, you can get them at Anthropology. I was going to say, is that like the Anthropology Candle? Mm -hmm. It is indeed the Anthropology Candle. Yeah. I love it too. I need a candle. That's such a good, like I light a candle every day and I feel like really upset when I don't. Yeah. Um, But lastly, to close us out, we love to close with advice. So what advice Mm. would you give to your younger self? I love this question because I think the thesis of my work is doing it for 11 year old Gigi who didn't know where to look or what to do. So I would say to know that you're not alone in anything you're going through, but also to take time and not get ahead of yourself and go so fast because we really deserve every single moment and we deserve to love and live in the moment. So do that for sure. That is great advice. I love it so much. And I feel like it's very in theme with everything that we talked about. So thank you again for coming on. We loved chatting with you. Ah, it was so fun. Thanks. 